Hello, men. Oh, that's amazing. Are we going to work here, Evan? Keep going. Um, I always say about the men's retreat, I led worship a couple, two years ago at the men's retreat. I always say it's the most awkward sounding and best sounding worship you'll, you've ever heard. Because <laughs> it's just, ooh. <laughs> it's just remarkable how much we count on the ladies, isn't it? <laughs> But it's a, actually, it was a, it was a guy's morning out not too long ago. I led worship. I thought, we need to make a men's album. I mean, that would just be amazing. I mean, I don't know if anybody would listen to it, but I think it would be amazing. <laughs> just because the force of men singing, and there's something special about it, because there's, I don't think any of us are shocked by women singing. Uh, they just seem to be uh, filling our mission trips and churches a little bit more. But men singing is a statement. And uh, I'm all about it. Um, it's an honor to just share a few thoughts with you guys. I'm, I'm humbled, and uh, it's a privilege. And I know I'm, I'm 33 years old. Some of you are twice my age, and a lot of you live more life than I have lived. So I am humbled, and I'm aware of the situation I'm in here to share with you. But I also want to just say I'm not intimidated by it, because I believe that God has put something in me. And I believe in calling and this conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I believe also the message I want to just share with you briefly is something that's burning in my bones. Worship is war. Worship is war. We all have truths. We all have realities in our life that are full-on realities. I see David works in the back here. He's had some serious realities that he had to walk through. In our church in New Life, we have some serious realities we had to walk through. People have sickness and fear and anxiety. I'm going to share a little bit of my story. I, was, I, used, I had a crippling fear and anxiety when I first got to New Life. It lasted for years. I could not lead worship with it. I couldn't share like I'm doing right now. I'm a walking miracle. So we all have these things that are going on, attacks. You know, we have these armies. We're going to talk about Jehoshaphat here in Second Chronicles who had this invading army that was too large for him to deal with and too large he was the king over judah and they just did not have the army to battle it so we have this attacks don't we but worship yes there is the reality of sickness this reality of hardship but worship is declaring a greater reality that god is good we could declare our weakness or we could declare his greatness We could proclaim our issues, or we could proclaim that he is king forever. And that greater reality does something spiritually. We're talking about warfare. I believe, we're going to talk about many tools of warfare over the next two days. And I'm so pumped to kick this thing off. Worship is one of the greatest weapons that we possess to battle. Because we get to declare a much greater reality so let's so it's second chronicles 20 it is a long stretch here and i'm not going to read all of it but i want to kind of read a bunch of it so if you could bear with me for about 30 verses and then we'll kind of just i got five thoughts that taken straight from this passage i think it's one of the most compelling narratives of the old testament about worship as war so if you just pick up try to track with me here as well as you can. There's some names and weirdness that I won't be able to pronounce well, but uh, we'll just kind of flub through them. Second Chronicles 20, starting verse 1. I'm going to read till verse 30. 
this is Jehoshaphat. He's the king over Judah, and he's, you know, he just kind of had this near-death experience. He's feeling he's close to the Lord. He's had some eye-opening moments and experiences, so it kind of picks up right here in verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, he prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it, to, to give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in, a, in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming back to us, driving us out of our... drive. Drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. Why that matters, I have to, somebody's got to figure that out. The theologian needs to tell me why they keep doing that in the scriptures. As he stood in the assembly, he said, okay, so this is the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he says this, he prophesies, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And here, we, here we pick up. Early in the morning, this is where it gets ridiculous. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. So the music and the singing went ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. 
the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, all articles of value, more than they could even take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Baraka means praise. It's called the valley of praise. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side." There's a couple things. I want to highlight just a few things and then hit hit you with those five things of why worship is war. One of the first things is when, if you jump up to verse 2, when Jehoshaphat's being told about this vast army coming against him, he prayed. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to acquire of the Lord. In the message it says, shaken. Jehoshaphat was scared. He had fear. Shaken, he prayed. Um, Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite guys. I don't know if you ever read My Utmost for His Highest. We call him the, in my house, we call him the Oz. My wife and I, did you read the Oz this morning? And we always do, because we're awesome. Oswald says, here's a quote from him. We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will get immediate results. We don't want to wait for God to resolve matters in his good time because his idea of good time is seldom in sync with ours. Jehoshaphat's first reaction was to pray, and then he got the people together. You know, how often how we kind of use our intellect or get friends around us, and those are good things, but the first thing he did was pray. That's something to highlight. I love the other, down. if you skip down to verse 12, our God will not... Will you not judge them? He's praying, God, will you not help us? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And I love this line. It's one of the most vulnerable lines in scripture. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I know we could all relate to that. Whatever those vast armies are that are coming against us, whatever the enemy is coming against us of fear or panic or, or um, you know, think of jobs that have been lost. I'm sure in this room. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jump uh, The other highlight, jump down to 15, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then Jehaziel, he prophesies, do not be afraid. In verse 17, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. We're going to face our stuff. Worship helps you face your stuff. It's not an avoidance, not an escape, but it's staring right at it. All right, here are the five things of why worship is war. It's kind of taken from verse 20 on. Number one, worship brings victory. 
if we kind of just recap verse 20 and 21 and 22. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. I was thinking about this passage. I mean, there's a vast army coming against them. It's just countless numbers coming against them that they can't see. And it was, it's kind of like if, you know, we got this invading army coming over the Atlantic of aircraft carriers and battleships and talking about like just 100,000 people coming against us and Obama gives me a call and says why don't you grab the desperation bands we're going to send them out in a canoe (laughs) going to sing (laughs) are you kidding me but this is what the Lord told them to do they sent out singers to talk up, sing about the love of the Lord is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. This is the power of worship. This is why I do worship. I have no interest in album sales. I don't care about reputation, fame, attention. But I believe in the power of worship, that it breaks down strongholds, that it declares a greater reality, and people are set free when we focus on him. We are all born with this incredible selfish thing. It's just, it's not, you don't have to develop it. I have kids, I have twins who are four years old and uh, a one-year-old, so I'm totally in the thick of it right now. (laughs) And they're just naturally bent in a way that they want what they want. It's just easy to be that way. Worship says, instead of me being the center of anything, he is the center of everything, and look at him. It's, it's what fuels me, and I think it's what fuels new life. I think it's one of the reasons new life has been a beacon of worship on the earth. Um, I, we don't talk about it a ton, but we've had songs that have literally gone all over the world, and I've, we had testimony after testimony of people being set free. We were just in Pittsburgh two nights ago, and a woman came up to me and said, the song Overcome was my anthem that got me through cancer. I put it on repeat until I beat cancer. This is it. Number two. So number one, worship brings victory. Number two, worship confuses the enemy. Let's look at verse 23. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. This was the enemy forces coming. They turned on each other. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Their worship confused the enemy, and they ended up annihilating one another, destroying one another. This thing about confusion, the enemy brings confusion to us, but confusion is not from God. I think it's easy to, with these attacks, I want to tread lightly here, there's it's easy with these attacks to be fascinated by evil. 
be fascinated by the attacks and we have movements of people trying to name every demon in every corner and a spiritual dad once told me darkness the demonic the attack two things we don't fear it and we're not fascinated by it A.W. Tozer one of my favorite authors he says we are all called to uh, an everlasting preoccupation with God there's too many people with a preoccupation with evil and they kind of look to God our preoccupation is with him not with the evil around us. So confusion, often people are, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this is. I don't, I don't have an answer for this attack that's on, on my house or on my kids or on me. Our preoccupation is with him. Worship him. It confuses the enemy. Watch as you worship him. We're just singing this. I know you are a great God. Everlasting, all-consuming, burning fire. Glorious one. As we continue to sing that, as we fix our eyes on him, confusion in us decreases, confusion in in the enemy increases. He's going to turn on each other. Number two, worship confuses the enemy. So number three, worship turns the plans of the enemy back against him. I love this because like I was talking about earlier, I used to have insane fear depression anxiety I couldn't stand in front of anybody I couldn't stand in front of you men and do this because my only voices that I would hear in my head is you are not good enough you are not adequate you are a loser you are this you are that and I love that I'm standing here talking to you right now I love that I write songs and I love that I lead worship because I'm sticking it to the enemy where he tried to stick it to me Verse 24, 25, and 26 spells this out perfectly. Worship turns the plans of the enemy back against him. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the Valley of Praise to this day. (laughs) God ambushes the enemy army. That would have been enough. I'm thinking... Thinking the, the you know the attacks on our life, those th- the Lord takes care of those things. That would have been enough, but no. Three days they went and got equipment. The armies of Judah, God's people, went and got resources. They couldn't even carry it away. It took them days to do it. So what the enemy meant for harm, God turned it around. Um, John Mark McMillan, I've only met him once, but he's a great songwriter, and um, he had an experience where a good friend of his very his closest friend was in a car crash and died and his his friend was a youth pastor and um he had just tremendous passion for young people this 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 youth pastor and john mark was so distraught by the death of his friend and he couldn't understand and he started questioning god's goodness you know what is this what is this and he sat with a guitar wondering what was happening and he wrote the words he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us he wrote that love is like a hurricane I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of this wind and mercy he took 
this attack. I'm not saying the enemy caused the car crash, but I am saying the enemy comes in like a flood to make you question how good God is. And he responds with that temptation of how good is our God. And he sings, he loves us so. It's just incredible. That song has gone all over the world and touched. It's a prophetic anthem. Um, as we mentioned Overcome. A lot, m- most of you know how that song was written. Our church was just under it. Scandal and shame. And we sang, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. Sticking it back to the enemy. <laughs> Number four, worship brings joy. This is real quick, 27 and 28. Then, led by Jehoshaphat and all the men of Judah and Jerusalem, returned joyfully to Jerusalem. Joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. So the worship continued, and they were in joy. Let's keep going here. Five, worship brings peace. Verse 29 and 30. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. The greatest position of warfare that we could take is a place of rest. The promised land, the New Testament promised land, the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament promised land is a place of rest. And the enemy knows this. He tries to draw us out of our rest to fight. You know, we're men. Someone comes against our family. Someone comes, but we draw out of our place of rest. We draw out of our place of peace to fight, and we're helpless. Place of rest is a place of authority. It's, Brady, Pastor Brady mentioned this last Sunday, actually. I love this. We don't fight the darkness by shouting and screaming at the darkness. We fight the darkness simply by shining the light. And we have the light. It's worship. We have worship. Psalm 63. I won't read the whole thing, but it says, Praise shuts the mouth of the liar. How about Jesus when he was in the wilderness? He has the big moment, the big moment where his father, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It's epic, it's amazing. And then by the led by the Holy Spirit, he gets sent out to the wilderness. I'm sure we can all relate to that. And what does he do? The devil tempts him and tempts him and tempts him. The third temptation, the devil says, devil, it is written, worship the Lord God only. And the devil left him and angels came to him. That's what we're doing. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do it right here. We're worshiping. We're saying to the tax, the vast army that seems we can't, we can't fight this army. It's too overwhelming for us. We're going to worship And we're going to say to the devil, it is written, worship the Lord our God only, and he will leave. Angels will come to accompany us, and we will have joy, and we will have peace. Uh, Saul, there's other moments in scripture. Saul, Saul was, uh, when he was king, he was deeply distressed, and David would come and play worship, just like us. He would come and just play worship. He would play over Saul, and it says that evil left him, and he was, I love this word, He was relieved. We need to be relieved. 
That's the deal. That's all I got. It is, it's just, it's compelling, isn't it, though? Worship. Come on, boys, let's get back up here. We're going to worship. Oh, thank you. I just, we're going to sing to God. And I think we got a, this is an amazing weekend to talk about warfare. I mean, think about, you know, I've got one with my kids. You know, I wasn't going to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it. We had a, a year ago, this, this couple guys broke into our house while my wife was in the house. And um, it's a pretty amazing story, actually, because, okay, Brady loves the story. He wants to tell it at church. I'm, I'm trumping you. I hope I, I could tell it. Uh, it's my story. It's my wife. <laughs> so I'm at church being a good little employee, having a meeting, and at, at, at home, my wife, we just moved into this house, and my wife, um, there's a knock on the door, and um, so she goes and looks through the, the, the people, and there's just two huge dudes that do not look like they're there to sell Girl Scout cookies, and so she thinks, no, I'm not going to answer this, so she kind of, she takes our twins, she is um, about nine months pregnant with our who is one-year-old now, Lewis. She's about nine months pregnant. And when our twins are three, takes them into the other room. And she's a little alarmed. And the door just slams, this big bang. And then the doorbell, all this thing. And she's sitting kind of around the corner just with the kids. And then another big bang. And then a third bang. And the door comes flying off the hinges into the house. And she knows these guys are in the house. So it's kind of, you've heard of Mother Bear? <laughs> She's nine months pregnant. And she comes screaming around the corner at them. Running at them. Thinking, this is it. Screaming, get out of my house. And they take one look at her. And they see her, and I'm believing the angel armies of God behind her. And they, they take one, and they just take off running. She finds herself running out of the house after them. Nine months pregnant. <laughs> well, we're, we're, talking, we're talking with the police afterward, and they said, Why? okay, so you're running after them. And she said, yeah, well, when I realized I couldn't catch them, I stopped. <laughs> and uh, so needless to say, that, that really introduced a lot of fear into our house. We had only been in this house. We just moved to this house. We've just been there for a few weeks. And so, I, I mean, she calls me hysterical. I run home. I don't even know what to do. I'm so nauseous. I'm so fearful. I'm so mad. And we don't know what to do. So we worship. We just crank the loudest worship you can imagine in our house. And we walk around and we say, thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And we say, he rules in this place. He reigns in my life. And I will not question the goodness of God. I will declare his majesty. And it's been a year and we have so much peace in our house. The fear left. There's peace with us. And we just, we simply, we worshiped. 
And I think it's, a, it's just a gift from our Father. Worship is a gift from our Father. He doesn't need an ego boost of why we need to sing how great He is. He's for us. That's why we sing New Life. We sing, Brady says it all the time. We love singing songs to God about God. It's my favorite songs to write. Our God is strong. Our God is great. Our God is awesome. Because I know, again, like I said in the beginning, we're carrying around a lot of realities. We're carrying around a lot of things that are truly hard. But our chance to declare a greater reality is warfare. It's warring against the enemy. And like we learned from Jehoshaphat, it brings victory. It confuses the enemy. It makes him turn on himself. It brings joy and it brings peace. Amen. Let's stand together.